I'm Jen, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Karen, and I use he, her, and she, her pronouns. And you're speaking queerly with KYC. Hey, Karen. Do you have a trivia fact for this time? Well, I do. This month is Black History Month. Did you know that Black History Month was first proposed by Black educators and the Black United Students at Kent State University in February of 1969? Really? Yes. The first celebration of Black History Month was at Kent State one year later from January 2nd, 1970 to February 28th, 1970. So they had two months. They did. Uh, all right. They did have a two-month okay. celebration. And then a few years later was recognized by President Gerald Ford as an official February celebration. Right. Cross, mm -hmm. cross the nation. Okay, that's really cool. So it started, really it started here in Ohio then. Oh, where, where we're at, that's... That's fun. <laughs> That's cool. That's really cool yeah. to know that Ohio, you know, we don't know about Ohio sometimes, but Ohio did something here, so that's really cool. Right. Ohio can sometimes be um, progressive and sometimes right. the complete opposite of that. So You'll be like, oh, okay, Ohio did that? Wow. And then you'll be like, Ohio did that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good one for us. So yeah, it, it is Black History Month, um, and we do obviously celebrate that here at Kaleidoscope Youth Center. Um, do you have any like notable people that, that you think we should highlight here for Black History Month? Absolutely, um, and I always try to lean towards the, the black and queer, um, but definitely James Baldwin, I think, mm. is someone that we can all, all look at and say, you know, they thought a lot differently and, and really paved a lot of ways for us. Um, Audrey Lord. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Audrey Lord. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how much else I have to say there. <laughs> I think about folks like, you know, Angela Davis um, and Maya Angelou. I'm a writer, so I definitely lean into that as a poet. Um, and then, of course, you know, Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X and Black Panthers. Groups like that, as you know, the heroes, the people that were on the front lines, um, really, really working for equality. That's awesome. I mm -hmm. also I want to give a shout out to um, Octavia Butler, mm -hmm. um, first one of the first female sci-fi writers too, and yeah. and kind of kind of her voice and the Kindred series and all of that. So that's a, that's one of mine. I feel like I could probably spend a whole podcast on all the music. Um, <laughs> sure. I'm, doing, I'm coming up. I'm. Uh, I've been able to dig into like Aretha Franklin. Oh yeah. Um, because I have a show coming up uh, next week, and mm -hmm. it's one of those things where like you realize the intricacy and the stories that were told, and really at times when there weren't a lot of people having black voices in mm -hmm. the world, that music sometimes was able to really move that that needle. And I mean, talk about dynamic. I've been able to like really dig into her catalog, and I'm just like, whoa. Lord, by just Lord. all the all the things that are going on here and how brilliant it was to create those things and I think that could be said for you know so many artists over over the course of time is that was a lot of times our as black folks an outlet you know to, mm -hmm. be, to be heard and seen yeah so, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and it's gonna be a good show too oh yeah it's, it's, gonna be, <laughs> it's, it's sold out so I mean I, I can't even plug it right I, now but yeah right and I think this is actually gonna release after you've you've done the show okay, so cool. it you know either That's way right. so it so it oh, was a great was show awesome. it, was it was a, a wonderful show. show we were at the Lincoln <laughs> Theater it's counterfeit Madison yeah um Amber Nicole Patia Thomas Kenny B. Edie 
uh, Kay Daniel, and so I mean, and myself, Karen Reef, and so like it's it's an incredible show, and I'm really excited to be a part of such a wonderful cast as well as um, musicians and uh, and definitely celebrating the art of Aretha Franklin. So, are you gonna do more of these in the future? I mean, the hope right. is too. Right. You know, if we have platforms, like the hope is definitely to do that and I, I was able a couple years ago to do a Nina Simone tribute with Counterfeit Medicine oh, wow. and that was one of those where you're like um, when you really let the, the music like bathe over you and, mm-hmm. and really understand what was going on and what songs like Strange Fruit meant and what was really happening you know mm-hmm. and all the metaphors that are in there and all the the, um, the noting of what was happening through lines in a song about mm-hmm. lynchings or about um, you know daddy having to leave or mom having to do this like there's so much cultural understanding and reference in those those songs so it's like it's definitely something to take in and then celebrate that you know we're able to still like take that in and and see we can still understand some of the stuff that was going on because that's still going on yeah in different ways yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. great Switching gears, um, so it, it was a big week as of this recording. It was a big week in Ohio yeah. for a lot of LGBTQ legislation, mm-hmm. essentially, and on polar opposite sides of, of yeah. the spectrum too. Um, the 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 first one really, um, which came as kind of a surprise, um, State Rep Ron Hood and Bill Dean introduced a bill that would punish doctors that help transgender youth transition. It's called the Protect Vulnerable Children Act, but don't let the name fool you. The bill ignores the fundamental reality of medical care for transgender youth. Uh, Kaleidoscope Youth Center's, our own ED, Aaron Upchurch, actually said, quote, This bill is not about protecting families or youth. It blatantly perpetuates oppression, marginalization, and discrimination against transgender and non-binary youth and encourages a harmful and devastating practice that centers ideas, beliefs over the actual lives of young people. Now, this is actually part of a, a sweeping nationwide strategy by Christian groups, including Citizens for Community Values, which is based here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other states that um, have proposed the similar legislation is Colorado, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Kentucky, Missouri, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. Um, and, and luckily, very recently, though, the bill that was in South Dakota got struck down. So, mm-hmm. so that's great. Yes. Um, so I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Wow. <laughs> I open up a can of worms here. Um, you know, there's been a lot of conversation, and um, we'll just keep it real black here. But there's been a conversation in the black community as far as uh, Dwayne Wade and his daughter, yeah. Zaya, and them accepting and unconditionally loving her and allowing her to go on the um, the pill that won't that will um, keep your puberty from happening Mm -hmm. um as zaya was born assigned at birth a male so when you're talking about this i think the biggest construct the first thing i think about is adultism right Mm -hmm. so we're sitting here telling youth that they don't know what's going on and they don't know how they feel Mm -hmm. and they're not allowed to to do anything about this, and we're talking about medical care in terms of those pills yeah. um, that may stop puberty, 
Um, and people are saying they're too young, they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think if we just would listen to our youth sometimes, yeah. um, around three or four, like I know so many transgender youth or even people that were gender fluid or just like never really felt like they fit into the binary mm-hmm. have been like, I don't, I didn't feel that way since I was three, right? since mm-hmm. I was four. And if we look back, a lot of people that are doing this type of thing lived in homes where they were told what they could be and then it's like when does the switch happen so at 18 now all of a sudden you'll believe me right or maybe you'll dismiss me but like what why is it that we as adults in society feel like we know best first of all Mm -hmm. and um don't listen like why is it so hard for us to listen and be like this and that's that's one of the things i was raised christian um have a very deep spiritual and faith background and i still really get frustrated with a lot of church and Christian movements, mm-hmm. um, because biblically it just does, it's not sound biblically. That's a whole another discussion. Mm-hmm. And um, you know there are elements of folks in the Bible that didn't fit into gender constructs. And Jesus was the favorite. That was their, his favorite person. <laughs> like you know, let me go talk yeah. to this eunuch. Let me go talk to this yeah. uh, individual. And I think that you know if we're looking at this, I feel like you know for for someone who's supposed to as a country, separate government and religion. Supposed we don't to. do this at all. Mm-hmm. We don't. And and that fundamentally is really frustrating. Um, and then also to think that, you know, they would call it a different name or um, really even say that youth that are transgender are the vulnerable children as opposed to the millions of children who are living in poverty, yeah. living in housing insecurity, living in food deserts. Like, that's vulnerable populations and I feel like it's a a large misuse of the term in order to like you know create like the fear it's like the fear thing again and heaven forbid we listen to our youth and they live the life that they choose um and the more and more youth we see we know that that creates better lives from here on out so um I get really fired up about this stuff and I I don't know why uh the religion continues to be a big part of our laws. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, it's not cool. Like, it's not cool. It's not cool. Absolutely it's agree. Not cool. Yeah. And if you're listening and you're feeling fired up about this too, um, what you can do to help is that, for one thing, contact your reps. Um, you can go to, I think it's ohiohouse.gov, and you can look up who is your rep, and you can email them or call them and just let them know that, you know, this is, this is unacceptable and mm-hmm. you hope that they strike down um, any law that actually comes up to a vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say, you know, reach out to Equality Ohio. Um, they're working very hard on all of these bills, um, whether positive or negative, to, mm-hmm. to kind of help the LGBTQ community. Um, and currently right now, I know they are looking for parents of transgender children who want to get involved, and you can email grant, G-R-A-N-T, at equalityohio.org, and just get involved, yeah. Absolutely, get involved. Um, This is something that you're passionate about. A lot of people take to social media to do their uh, opinion bidding, and this is something that you can actually do something about, and if there's data or information that you need um, in terms of placing that and what does that look like, Equality Ohio has templates, and we obviously have some folks here, um, but just reach out and get as much information as you can. 
uh, to let them know that you could even say, I don't know where to start and I want to get involved and, and how can I do that? That's, that's a great way to start too. Great. Awesome. Yeah. And then on the other end of things, a bill that was announced on the same day as this <laughs> negative one, right? Um, so state rep Mary Lightbody introduced a bill to ban conversion therapy, which is the, um, the, the, the practice that's intended to make a gay person straight. I love that that's so simple. Right? <laughs> like that. It's actually generally where, I mean... Youth go to camps. Yes. And they are, uh, they pray the gay away. Yep, they pray the gay mm -hmm. away. Uh, and, and we know that, like, the American Psychiatric Association and the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry have both um, come against this practice, um, calling it ineffective and obviously very dangerous. Yeah. Um, currently in Ohio, there are seven cities that have already banned um, the conversion therapy. Athens, Cincinnati, Columbus, Dayton, Kent, Lakewood, and Toledo. Um, but really, we'd love for this to be statewide, you know, thinking of the rural communities and, and places like that. Um, so KYC, Kaleidoscope Youth Center, along with um, a coalition of other organizations, are actually working with um, Representative Lightbody to, to get this bill passed. Sure. I think that's, um, you know, nationwide is, is bigger vision. Statewide is, is a great vision. I think that this is not something that's going away. And as long as there are people that believe that, you know, this is a choice and someone can, and, or a disease or someone can choose to be healed, as long as that belief exists, yeah, you're going to find some version of this. And the goal is to make this, more difficult and a lot of times the people that are teaching it have recovered themselves or mm -hmm. you know in their way recovery and they treat it the same way as like alcoholism or, yeah. or some sort of some sort of disease and so it's I think the first thing is educating about what you know all the things in LGBTQ looks like mm -hmm. um, whether it be gender gender identity or sexual orientation which are all separate I think it's important for people to know what that is because until we change that belief or change that thought that these are things that people are just waking up and deciding to do um, for fun, then then we can change you know the conversion. I think more people are starting to realize the effects of this psychiatry, all these type of things, um, and here we are with the religion again. Um, yeah, but I think that I think people theme. are starting to really it's a, it's a big yeah. theme. It's a running theme through legislation, but. I think we're starting to realize that it's not, um, it's not a choice. It's not something that, like, if we all could choose, like, wouldn't it be great and easy to be cis right. and straight yeah. and just keep it moving and yeah. in the binary? But that's that's not how we're we're built and we're we're wired, and that's not really real as human beings. So um, the hope is that people will allow that to be, and and then also see the harm that could be done with mm -hmm. conversion therapy. Youth have, you know, I mean, there's so many effects of uh, of this, and um, it's it's actually just not based in psychological or psychiatric mm -hmm. support. Like, it's not based in those things. It's not based in fact no, in the science. It, it's not based in science because a lot of psychology and psychiatry psychiatry is um, listening, and and maybe there's a diagnosis involved. Um, but generally, diagnoses happen when people are like, I feel crazy, um, you know, and then they're talking it out, and it's like, oh, well, there may be some kind of 
this going on or this and that. But like when we're talking about people saying this is who I am at my core mm-hmm. and um, this is who I I feel free being. This is who I and there's no harm being done to anyone. Like it's like, well, what's the issue here? Why do you feel like you have to touch that at all? It, right. <laughs> like right. You actually don't have to right. touch it yeah. at all. They could just be questioning or figuring out themselves. So, I mean, this is one of those things where like fundamentally you see these arguments coming up and people who fundamentally don't agree with anything in the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we talked about in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's not about agreeing. Like these people exist. Yeah. So once we can eliminate that. We're here. Right, we're here. <laughs> and so what do we do now and how do we learn to, to be equitable, to, to care for everyone and, mm-hmm. and let people live? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. And with that said, you know, a lot of this is, you know, based around, unfortunately, we live in a country with a two-party system. And then when there's one particular party mm-hmm. there, you get certain types of laws mm-hmm. versus the other. So that's why we at Kaleidoscope User think it's very important that you get out and vote, yes. um, that you thoughtfully vote for who your representatives are going to be um, and you know depending on that is going to depend on the kind of laws that mm-hmm. we see reflected um, in our community and in the state uh, yes. yeah it's so important and I think a, a lot of times we can dissociate as adults or have some indifference because the systems are flawed mm-hmm. you know I think we'd be missing out on an opportunity if we don't say that outright mm-hmm. um, that doesn't mean that we don't have any social responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, when you think about how many people actually voted in the last presidential election yeah. versus what conspired with who won and all those things, there were more people that didn't vote than yeah. did participate. And now you have those people running the country. So, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> if, if we come out in waves and, and vote responsibly and thoughtfully, um, you know, the idea of, just being in a position where you just make up laws all day, it, it, that doesn't seem appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, these people are into this and, um, you know, democracy. So get out and vote. Mm-hmm. It really matters. And yeah. I think, you know, some conversations could shift and everyone's always like, well, how do you know we've gone out and voted and then this didn't happen? And I'm like, but have we really used our collective power mm-hmm. and all just committed to... Um, vote and I understand there may there may be the candidates like people may have differing opinions on those like I get it they sure do yeah (laughs) and um, sometimes it's hard to even within the party system agree on a candidate yeah um so that can mean people will just be like uh, we'll just forget it you know and I just think that it's important to to engage even though it can be triggering yeah definitely absolutely absolutely and with that said, um, if you're interested in, you know, voting in the Ohio primary, that is on March 17th. Mm-hmm. You do have to already be registered um, to vote by it's February something. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you haven't registered, you probably check in. Yeah. <laughs> um, check that out. Um, and then, yeah, just November will be we'll be talk we'll be talking more about mm-hmm. voting and, and kind of some other political things, um, including the census which is coming up this year and kind of why that's important to the lgbtq community um but yeah they'll they'll be coming up shortly so yeah it is important and the census coming up is especially important uh for understanding families i mean yes 
there's some elements of it that are LGBTQ plus friendly as mm. far as reporting. Um, but a lot of times we're not able to make things happen because we don't have data. And so I sit in a lot of meetings, a lot of times where all we have is qualitative data. All we have is the stories and the experiences. Mm -hmm. And the truth is people don't believe them all the time. Yeah. So when we're looking at data, when we're looking at household incomes, when we're looking at the well-being overall of people that do identify as LGBTQ+, it is really important to do the census so that we can have at least on a minimum scale some data to get grants, to get things done, to put things into place that support the LGBTQ plus community based on numbers that we see. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about all of that um, in some upcoming podcasts. So stay tuned. talk about the protests that recently happened on MLK Day. It yes. was an appropriate time, still here, Black History Month, and um, on Martin Luther King's Celebration Day, it was a private event, there was an event that happened, and Mayor Ginther was speaking, and then there was a protest. So I want to give a little context to this and talk this out a little bit. I've had a couple conversations with some leaders in the community and just wanted to talk out our way of looking at this in terms of what does repair look like and um, just shed some light on some things. Um, so basically, at the protests, the, the protesters bought tickets. They were there and they were in the middle of the speech saying something about um, a young boy, a young black man that was shot, a teenager, that was shot and killed, and we felt it was done out of justice. There was not justice in that situation. Um, and a very common event of police brutality or excessive force or even uh, you know, being killed at the hands of the police. A lot of black boys and black adults, young adults, men have been killed. And so they were protesting that they were dragged out of um, the event, two of them, two, two folks um, in the queer community, and they were dragged out of the event, not given a chance to speak, held outside in cold temperatures for a very long time before they were taken to jail and then charged with uh, trespassing. And so they had bought tickets. And so a lot of times um, we'll hear and there, there were a lot of ways, and we'll talk about this shortly, there were a lot of ways that I think that could have went differently, um, but there are a lot of elements here. So there's how they were treated by the police, which is not uncommon, unfortunately, mm -hmm. in Columbus and many other cities with, um, with black folks. And then also how the mayor handled it, how the bystanders handed, handled it, and um, now they're being charged with something like they anticipated getting arrested let's be clear on that but um the charges are criminal trespassing and you know what was that they've gone uh, is that yeah what is that, that even happen? <laughs> like, what is that so i want to get jen's input from a little <laughs> bit of your thoughts as you're uh, listening to that yeah i i'm still like 
every time I hear the story explained, I'm still like, how? Mm-hmm. How? Because if, for one, you know, I feel like it's it should be the responsibility of the leaders of the community to, especially in a setting like this where they're there and they have a message to give, to at the very least give them a platform to, mm-hmm. to say what they need to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to go as far as charging them mm-hmm. with anything when they've paid to be there, when they have a right to be there, when it's MLK Day. <laughs> and like, do you see, like, I'm like, do you see the irony of what has happened? There was a pastor and he said, you have the right to protest, but you don't have the right to be rude. So what do you think is a big misconception about protests that you understand or that you see? That I see? Mm-hmm. Well, for one, I think there needs to be context about the history of protesting. You know, I, I feel like a lot of people forget, like people celebrate, for example, MLK and, and you know, all these other um, icons that we talk about during Black History Month, but understand, but they don't understand like what really was they were doing. And majority of it was protesting and it was, you know, disruption and it was all these things that that's what you know these groups are doing now and yet we're saying like oh you're how dare you when no we 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 need that we need that component Mm -hmm. um in order to progress as a society like we need the disruptors and we um you know just as much as we need uh, people in legislation and and stuff like that so you need you need both and i i don't I don't know if people realize when they're saying, oh, well, these people shouldn't be protesting or disrupting an mm-hmm. event. I don't think they realize, well, that's how we got progress at all to right. begin with. Sure. I think um, a couple things that I hear, um, let's see if I can list them in, you know, in my mind. Uh, one is they should have told us they were going to protest. Mm, <laughs> I yeah. hear that a lot. Yeah. I'm like, it's not a protest if I'm going right, to tell you right. that it's a protest. <laughs> now it's a part of the event. You know, and the whole point of protesting is to uh, disrupt. And then I think the second thing is, well, they knew they were going to get arrested. Like, yes, arrested, drug out of a room um, as if right. they didn't have any human decency. Right. Absolutely not. And then I also hear the question of, um, well, I mean, what can we do like as bystanders? You know, I don't know what's going on and I don't want to get involved. And so I just think it's interesting to hear the mayor's response and talking about his priorities being birth to five because there's a huge disparity with black youth mm-hmm. and uh, black mothers mm-hmm. and their survival rate mm. to, to the babies that are not um, black or of color. And then diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. neighborhoods, public safety and health, economic development, <laughs> affordable housing, innovation and sustainability. And to me, I think that the order seems off. Like, yeah. what, based on the actions of Columbus, I feel like economic development is primary. Absolutely. And then I feel like affordable housing is this this dance we do. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think we really realize how, like, affordable housing also means living wages. Yeah. So, like, things like that. And then what does is, what is our homelessness look like? And for us to have such a large homeless population, like affordable housing or just housing can it just be housing yeah Um, and then sustainability it doesn't feel like diversity and inclusion is the most important it doesn't Mm -hmm. and so when i look at you know equity and we talk about equity 
And what would that have looked like if maybe Mayor Ginther hands them the mic right, and says, please say what you have to say. We want to hear you. And then carries on with the, with the event. Yeah. Um, no one's harmed. No one, like, it's a peaceful protest. And that's the point, is that there are so many voices in the room right now that aren't being heard. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, if you don't mind, Jen, I have like some ways for people to be better allies. Please, please then, share. Yes, I will absolutely share. And then if you um, would like to chime in, I would love to hear how yeah. that happens. Yeah. So the first one, I don't know if you'll chime in on this one. The first one I would say is listen when marginalized people are talking. Mm-hmm. And um, that also goes to experiences and believing them. So listen when marginalized people are talking. A lot of times... I can't tell you how many times I'm in a room and a person that is not of color will interrupt me to tell me what I should say or think or feel about something. So listen, absolutely listen. Uh, two, don't dismiss lived experiences that are unfamiliar to you. So what does that and, mean to you? Well, and that, that goes a little bit to like all these, you know, anti-trans bills and, and mm-hmm. you know, like that is... It, it's being like, no, that that's not, you're not, you're not that, you're not this, mm-hmm. whatever. And no, like we, I mean, believe people and, you know, your, your experience is different from my experience, different from someone else's. And I mean, ideally that's supposed to be the beauty of like being human is having these differences and celebrating those differences. Sure. Um, so just, you can't just dismiss people. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, like, can you imagine if every single time you said something that was different than the other person you were talking to, they were like, okay, I'm going to go make a law about that. Right, right. Right now, because that's not, I don't believe that that's what you are, or who you say you are, or that's what happens. That's probably, to me, the most fundamental thing that we could do is to believe people's experiences. Um, and yes, I mean, the people are like, well, what about the delusional person? You're like, but that's like one of, Many people, I right. think the dismissal of people of color, LGBTQ plus folks um, in the world has led to people being like, oh, well, that's not that that's not that serious. And I think it's hard for us to say when we're not in those shoes. And because I've said a lot, that's like one of the biggest microaggressions you can experience, mm. you know, is well, it God probably wasn't that bad. Yeah. Right. Slavery was right. not bad. Yeah. People were all right. People were okay. So, yeah, um, definitely believe other people's experiences. And then this one is great for you to talk on, Jen. Stop <laughs> taking attacks on white supremacy personal. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. yes. No, I absolutely. I, I think a lot of people, um, when someone says, like, you have white privilege, mm-hmm. I don't think it's fully understood that it just like you can still have had a lot of hardships in your life Mm -hmm. and that's you know we we all have but the fact that you're white isn't one of the reasons why you've had hardships Mm -hmm. and and I think I think folks don't always understand that and they just think like oh you're saying white privilege so that means I everything's been going great for me well that's not the case and so it's like first understanding that Mm -hmm. um and then just, you know, it, it is white privilege that we've we've built the capitalistic society. It is white privilege that, you know, our systems are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just understanding that and, you know, start recognizing that mm-hmm. and 
it's it's okay. It's okay if people are attacking it. We're all working towards you know having an equitable society, mm-hmm. I, I, I hope. <laughs> and right, right. and you know it's just it's just one of those things. And it's not an attack on you personally. And yeah. it's, it's I think um, you know. Thank you for saying that. I was talking to Amanda the other day, and we were talking about safe spaces and how even at times you know whether it be adults or youth in this space, um, just an awareness of, like I always know when I am not white in a room. Mm -hmm. Like I always know when I'm queer in a room. Like I always know that. And I don't know if sometimes some people realize, and we're talking about race now specifically, but like I don't think sometimes people realize like I'm the only white person in this room. Like you don't ever have to feel that. And that's like actually a privilege to never have to look around and see, am I the only black person in this room? Mm-hmm. Am I the only person uh, in this room that is pro- is like queer of some sort? Like, am mm-hmm. I the only person who's going to see this this way? Or is everybody going to see it black and white, binary? Are they going to see it that way? And that also can be like a lot of pressure. So when you look at, you know, stop taking attacks, when I talk about, the, the systems in place. I'm not saying, Jen, you did this. I did this. <laughs> you did this. And I think that's what's important is to not look at it as, and I think a lot of times, Amanda, our education and training manager, we're talking, and we were talking about how people don't like to sit in the discomfort. Yeah. And they confuse safety with comfort. Like, you're safe. You just may be uncomfortable. Yeah. you may be the only white person in the room sometimes, especially at Kaleidoscope. I definitely know that Jen or... Amanda or anyone that works here, they may be sometimes the only white person in the sometimes. room. Sometimes. And, and sometimes they're not, but like they're not taking things personal that are being said no. to them in a discussion about that. White privilege is, is more, it, it's a concept. It's, mm-hmm. an, it's an idea and, you know, yes, we, we also happen to be white. So like we have right. to kind of, you know, down. understand where, mm-hmm. where that fits within that concept. And, you know, it's, yeah sure yeah and ridiculous so my like my heritage is which in and of itself knowing my heritage is a privilege but Mm -hmm. like I'm half German and I'm half like English so I'm like so such a colonizer background (laughs) that I really had to be like okay you know (laughs) and and like what can I really do to help because I have some you know ancestry to make up for there but But yeah, but it's, you know, it's not so bad to sit in discomfort sometimes and you grow and that's where growth happens. Absolutely. I love that you said that. Um, The next one I have is acknowledge your own internal biases so you can dismantle them. And what I will say to this is this can be a process for literally anyone. Yeah. We all come with biases just as we start out and we're with our families and the conversations that we have and the stereotypes that you may hear or the conclusions that people have made in your family from their experiences, that's gonna be given to you um, as you're raised. So I think it is a lifelong work to own and dismantle your internal biases. And like you said, about having ancestors that came from a very colonizing Mm -hmm. background, Mm -hmm. like that, you're realizing that and saying, okay, this is some biases that I may have just in my blood. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like to really dismantle them and sit with the discomfort of them and also not repeat that pattern right yeah the next one is speak up when other white people um are acting out i won't say what that says but like acting out. <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> so what 
what do you, when you find like a situation to be unbearable or um, someone saying something that is just really inappropriate, like what do you find yourself saying sometimes? For one, a little bit, I think it depends on the scenario and who else is in the room with me because I, I don't necessarily want to speak up if there's, for example, like another, um, if someone's saying marks against a person of color, but that person of color is there and they also have the capacity to speak up for themselves. Yeah. Like I think, you know, I'm going to let them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, if it's like just me and some white people hanging out, you know, right. but, you know, um, you know, I, I tend to always take a joking approach to things, but I'm always like, really? Like, what are you? And then, you know, depending on the comment, like kind of exploring that as to like, why? Why have you said that? Why are you using that language? That's sort of what I try to do anyway. And just I think curiosity is a great approach um, for allies is. And the first thing you said is like. That is like exponentially (laughs) so important. (laughs) Right. if, If someone does have agency. You know, as an advocate or an ally, I think it's so important. Sometimes we get so caught up being an advocate or an ally. We're not like, you have the floor. Mm-hmm. So if you have agency over advocating for yourself, like at the, that's ideal. And sometimes we don't have the capacity to do that because maybe this is the fifth conversation I've had about this today. So what does that look like to, um, you know, step back for a second and then say, okay, would you like me to say something or... You know, Mm -hmm. are you good? And, um, you know, wait and see. And then also ask those questions. Ask it flat out. Because when you ask that question to somebody who's in the room um, that maybe a a remark was directed at, that can also shift the room. Yeah. Instead of asking the the person who said the remark, ask someone who may be offended by it, like, are you good? Do we need to to go anywhere with this? That may make that other person who said the remark check themselves too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just an awareness and being patient enough to like mm-hmm. let other people speak and then also um if there needs to be something said like you said if you're hanging with people mm-hmm. of the same like group or mm-hmm. community, like all white folks then mm-hmm. maybe i do say something because i mean i i in my groups like if i'm in like an affinity type situation yeah. with all people of color um then we can always address stuff you know and so mm-hmm. hey y'all come on like you know what i mean and you could do yeah. it just like that like or do we really have to say that like yeah that, that's actually offensive to me i'd appreciate it if you stopped saying that yeah and at least at the very minimum they know they can't do those things around you around me yeah around so. Me. <laughs> so i think you know if we start to hold those standards across the board that's great well thank you for this discussion i think yeah. this is a start and uh the one thing I do really, really agree with um, with Mayor Ginther's statement is real change is not quick or easy. It can be messy and frustrating. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when we when we all show up to have the conversation, and that is the goal, is the and this is not what Mayor Ginther's saying. This is me. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make <laughs> sure I mm-hmm. put a period on the yep, end of yep. that sentence. Uh, but when we look at connection and showing up, I think it's important that we show up for these conversations, and that's why. Um, our trainings are so important. That's why the conversations we have with youth happen. And uh, speaking of that, yeah. we definitely had conversation with our group. We have a group called QPOC, and that's Queer People of Color here, and that's our youth in our drop-in center from 12 to 20 years old. And that is all people of color downstairs talking for an hour and a half. We get the space. And it's so important to have these affinity spaces. We also have Genderscope, which is for our trans and non-binary youth. And last week I went and talked to, um, because I'll facilitate the QPOC group, 
And sometimes I'll, I'll talk to them and we're sitting here trying to think of the movies that we like, the music that we like, the Oscar winners, and there were not much in terms there of the title. Like we wound up looking at like some of the outfits and some of the people that were there, um, but not the winners and not the not the people that were nominated. But when you think about visibility and representation, like there's, I, I really do get caught up sometimes in the fact that I might be like in a little bubble because mm. I work at Kaleidoscope. The people I generally hang around are very affirming. And, and loving people and open people and that the world is not always there and just realizing that we don't see a lot of ourselves on and you know represented just really in media and politics in um, corporate sectors you know when you look at the Forbes list there's no uh, black women CEO like when you yeah. think about representation and visibility we have a real long way to go and I think what that means is not only do we have a long way to go in just putting people in those positions, but they also have to pave the way to allow them to go in those positions and have a equitable work environment. Mm -hmm. And that's where the work is. And that's the work that I think that is happening right now and that needs to continue to happen. And, you know, when you do stuff like that, you're going to see. So I think it lets us know that we're doing the right things yeah. when we see legislation come up like this. Yeah. When we see these conversations having to be addressed by our mayor. Like when you see this stuff, is it is it going swimmingly? No, no. <laughs> it is not. And it can be messy and frustrating. Like it, it really can. And I think the commitment is for us to continue to show up. Like that's why we show up every day um, to do this work. So that's the point. And our, our youth mm -hmm. are are yearning that they want they want to see themselves represented. Oh yeah. And it means it means so much more when you can look at someone and see like this is possible for me. Mm -hmm. This is what I was into. This is what I could do. Mm -hmm. And there's there's space and there's room for me. And I think that's that's really the message is making room for people because there is room. There is room. Mm -hmm. There's always room at the it table. Like the altar call maybe. <laughs> with the Christian thing. <laughs> Yeah, I've had those those experiences. But yeah, that's great. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, and really, it, it feels like too. It's also just on the surface. Like we could go, we could go for a while. Future. So sure. maybe we will in the future. <laughs> we'll oh. see. All right. All right. Awesome. Um, real quick, uh, when does the Cupot Group meet? The Cupot Group meets on Tuesdays from five thirty to seven. Check-in is at 5, and our center on Tuesdays opens at 3.30, so that's drop-in. There's a meal there, and then at 5 o'clock, we all gather together, and then 5.30 to 7 is a closed group for queer people of color. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, and thank you for listening. Um, we appreciate it. Um, this is our second podcast, so yeah. we're moving around uh, along swimmingly, yeah. so it's great. Uh, how can people contact us, Karen? Well, there are several ways to contact us. Um, you can always contact us at info at kycohio.org. We are currently looking for a housing manager, a housing manager that's a social worker that will be working with our uh, housing programs. We have three. So you can always look at housing. If you're looking at uh, employment, you can do employment at kycohio.org. We try to keep it real, real simple. <laughs> real simple. Um, and then our website depending on whether you want to get involved as a volunteer or donate or special events, you can go to www.kycohio.org. 
Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. All right. I'm Jen. I'm Karen. And, and you've been speaking queerly with KYC. KYC.